Well, if you don't have a Bible, don't worry, but uh, let me read it. Um, but we're going to just do a Bible study on this this morning, just. Um, this is Jesus' last public address. After that, it's all private with his disciples. This is his last address in public. And uh, Jesus says this. He's talking really to the Pharisees, to the leaders of Israel. I tell you the truth. This is John chapter 10, verse 1. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger, in fact. They will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved, and he will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired man is not the shepherd. Who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. At these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, he's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Then came the feast of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple walking in the court in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews gathered round him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep, 
My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many great miracles from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any of these, replied the Jews, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. That is the word of God. Well, the football season has started and... um, I don't know how your team went on, but I know from earliest days as a little boy, we always want to support the best team. Uh, I'm so glad that our local team won here at Wickham, but you know, some other some say, well, we want to support a bigger team, we want, whether it's Arsenal or uh, Manchester United or Man City or Liverpool or Arsenal or whatever. Must have missed one. Chelsea, and that's it, Chelsea, yeah. But we always want to be in the best, don't we? You know, I was in the scouts, and we wanted to be in the best troop in town. We want to go to the best school in town. Or when we leave school, we want to go to the best college. And we want to join the best firm. And it's, it's, it's right that we want to be in the best. And, um, and, and that's true all of us. Um, and it was true of the Jews here. We're in A.D. 33, and it's the Feast of Dedications, Hanukkah. And they're looking back, and they, they would say, you know, we used to be the best. As a nation, we were the only nation under God. We were chosen by God, but look what a mess we're in. And, and, and it's interesting, John says, and he puts all these things for purpose, they were walking through the temple through the temple, through the colonnades of Solomon. Why does he put that in? Just to remind you that that was the pinnacle of Israel's greatness. David's son. It was downhill after all the way down. We used to be great. We were the greatest. We're the only nation in the world that was chosen by God to be a light to the world. But look at the mess. And, um, and it, you see, why does John put it's the feats of, of dedication? Well, you would know your history or may not, but 332 BC, Alexander the Great conquers the whole of the, 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 the Near East. As far as India, he conquers it. And as he dies, he hands it on to his generals and, and they continue to, to control the, the, the Middle East. And because Israel was conquered and ru- ru- ruled over by the Greeks and uh, they hated the rule, but some... Uh, sort of agreed with them and joined with them. But the, the Greeks stopped the, sort of some of the festivals in the, in the temple. They burnt the scriptures. They forbade circumcision. And then finally they offered a blood sacrifice, a pagan sacrifice on the altar. But then a, a priest's son called Judas, Judas Maccabeus, Judas, Judas the Hammer in B.C. 170, he started an uprising. And quite miraculously, they overcame the Greeks. And, then, and, they, and, and they rededicated the temple. 
That was great. We were back in song again. And so this dedication, this feast of Hanukkah was said, that was the, no, we were great then. But it's all been downhill since. Then the Romans came. And some of our people, the Sadducees and others, have gone into union with them and compromised and, and we're a trampled nation again. We're conquered again. Where's the greatness? And of course the priests, you know, they were, they were the Pharisees, but they were, they were worse than useless. They, they were just legalists and they, Jesus said, they were just hired hands. They were, they were false shepherds. They were, it was hopeless. But God did say he would send a leader. God did say that he would send a leader, a shepherd, a messiah, one who would lead his people, a king. And they were always looking for this messiah to bring back the glory. And at Hanukkah and the dedication, they would look back to that glorious day when Maccabeus did that. Look back to David and Solomon now, you see, this is incredibly relevant because, you know, we're all looking for glory. We all want a door that will lead us into safety and security and life and glory. Why is it that three young women take their kids from Bradford to go to Syria to join ISIS? Why? Because actually, whatever else it is, they are looking for glory. They want that which makes life meaningful. Why is it a young lad in Wickham joins Al-Shaban and is killed in Kenya for some jihadist group? Right or wrong, he's looking for glory. He wants something. Materialism never satisfies. But some think it does. Some think, well, you know, if I work hard, get a big house and we have four cars and we're good holidays, have a holidays in the Cayman Islands and we'll, you know, and our kids go to the right school and, you know, and all the rest of it, that'll be glorious. And that's, people have different ways of pursuing it. But here we come. And um, they look, ah, the good old days, the Jews are looking back. But then Jesus comes and they say, look, they said, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the, the, the Christ, tell us plainly. And he's talking to the shepherds of Israel and he says, you know, he says, you know, you're just hirelings. You're just in it for the money. I mean, if we looked at chapter 8, they've, they've caught this woman in adultery. They want the stone of the so-called shepherds. Then in chapter 9, a lad is healed who's blind. And they, they, they say, you're a fraud. Jesus, you are the shepherds and that's what you deal with, the poor sheep. He said, you're just thieves and robbers. And of course, there were zealots, the revolutionaries. And they were going to lead the, the nation into more trouble with revolutions. And then there were false messiahs. If you look at outside scriptures in first century AD, and you'll see that. And uh, it's just going to lead to destruction. Jesus knows that. But how can you tell when the messiah will come? Actually, if with time, the real key to it all is to read Ezekiel 34. That's what it's all about. But how can you tell when, when he comes? Because obviously it wasn't clear here. Well, the first thing, he will be among his people. He will come among his people. So let's look at the text now. Verse 1, he says, truly, truly, amen, amen. He says, now this is new. This is vital. He says, this is vital. Get hold of this. Now, they, you know, they, they knew enough about shepherds to get the point. 
many of you have not worked with shepherds. I've had 12 years working among them. And, you know, I know a little bit about their life. But uh, in Israel, every new shepherds, it's not the greatest place to grow crops. I know recently they've got some good crops, but it's a mountainous plateau. No, there were no walls in those days. And uh, okay for grazing, you know, sheep and goats and cattle. But it's not, it's not safe. There are ravines, there are crags, and there are mountain lions, there are wolves, there are bears. And not only that, people steal sheep. I worked in the Lake District long enough to know there were rustles of sheep in, that, in my day. I talked to a farmer this week and he said his grandfather had to leave the Lake District because he couldn't make a living because so many sheep were stolen. It's a long while ago that, but it goes on, I'll tell you. It's a... And it was true in those days. It was a risky thing. But if we had time to go through with history, we'd see that Abraham was a shepherd. Jacob was a shepherd. Isaac was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. But the great thing is, what Israel held on to was that God himself would want to be called a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The psalmists are always going on. You know, hear us, O shepherd of Israel, as they pray to God. For, God, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture the flock under his care. And then, of course, I must allude to Ezekiel 34. And he says this. Let me read a little bit. I will pasture him on the mountains. This is God speaking. I will pasture him on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in the, all the settlements and the land. I will tend them in a good pasture. And in the mountain heights of Israel, I will be their grazing land. Will be their grazing land. They will lie down in good grazing land and they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will tend my sheep. I will make them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring them back, bring back the strays. And I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. And that's the great hope. It's God, the shepherd. And so now Jesus describes what a, how a shepherd works. How, how, does a, how would you know if God came? How would you know if, if God was shepherding? How does a shepherd function? Well, Jesus describes the situation. In every village or town, certainly every village, and certainly on the fells, on the moors, there would be sheep folds, sheep pens, where a shepherd every night would deposit his sheep. Now, the shepherds would probably in those days have between 25 and 100 sheep. That would be a reasonable flock. Not like these big flocks in Australia, <clears throat> three or 4,000 or more. No, he would uh, have between 25 and 100. And he would, every evening, he would put them in for safety. He would put them in for safety in, 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 his flo- in, his, in the pen, the sheepfold, every night. And he would, he would examine them. He would hold his rod out. He would stop them. He would examine them if they been in fly strike or there'd been parasites of any other kind, had been wounded or any condition. And then he would let them through. In fact, Ezekiel says the same. God says, I will take note of you as you pass under my rod and I will bring you into the bond of my covenant. And that's what, as it were, the shepherd is doing. He's examining them every night. And then they would pay a... Um, a watchman to start at the gate, sit at the gate while they get some sleep. And um, 
They knew their sheep intimately. And, um, and the fold they were in was here, the fold, was the fold of Judaism. That's the fold, Israel. Now the fold is whatever holds the sheep temporarily, for a time. There are other folds. And he's going to allude to that later on as Jesus. Other pens. Now, I don't know what fold you were brought up in. I was brought up in a Methodist fold. You've been brought up in a Baptist or an atheist or a humanist or an Anglican or a Greek Orthodox or a Muslim or a Buddhist. Or... I don't know what fold you were brought up in. Temporally, you were brought up in it. I don't know. That, that's, it's that which holds you. And then Jesus says, uh, I am the gate. I am the, the door. For the sheep. Now what does it mean, the door of the sheep, for the the sheep? It means the privilege, the right of ownership. He alone has the right to bring them in and to take them out. They're his. And, uh, and, And Jesus now comes. He has fulfilled all the promises. At this stage in John's Gospel, John has made it clear, has fulfilled all the promises of the Messiah. He's... John, the early parts is in the book of signs, which is the first 12 chapters. There are seven witnesses. The Father, the Spirit, John the Baptist, the disciples, his works, his words, and even the voice of demons. We've had seven witnesses, and now at this stage he comes. You've had enough evidence, he's saying. And uh, he's been sent by the Father to lead his people out. And his chosen ones. He leads them out into safety and salvation. And uh, he says to the scribes and the Pharisees and the leaders of Israel, you're just thieves and robbers. You yourself do not enter. And you will not let those enter who are trying to. He is the gate and the door. He is the gate and the door. He alone has the right of entry. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father but by me. My sheep hear my voice, only his voice, his voice. And he knows his sheep intimately by name. He knows all his sheep by name. Now, you call your, your pets by name, don't you? Even your goldfish, you call them by name, don't you? I was talking to a farmer the other day, and he says his nephew has 400 sheep. And he knows everyone. He can tell you everyone. Now, to me, they're just a bag of wool on legs. <clears throat> but he knows everyone by name. He know, they know all the shepherds will tell you the mother, the father, and where they were born, and any history. That's their life. And um, only the shepherd knows them by name. I remember in my previous profession, being called out once to this uh, farmer. I saw him the other day, that's why I remembered. And uh, this sheep was circling, which actually gave the game away, and um, which had, it had a cyst on its brain. So we operated and stitched it up, and off it went, and uh, it was right as rain. So if any of you have a headache, I'm your boy later. <laughs> the point I'm making is, I would never have spotted anything unless he had not already told me that sheep is not right. And Jesus knows his sheep. The shepherd knows their sheep intimately. And they recognize his voice and he leads them out. Every morning, 
The shepherd would lead them out. He would, he would sh- cry and they would know his voice. And you can see that. They will not. I've tried to move sheep and they won't do it. Because they don't recognize my voice. They recognize the shepherd's voice. No dogs in those days. The British shepherd is totally dependent on dogs, quite rightly. They're wonderful creatures. And he leads them out. Now this is what Jesus, this is, what Jesus is saying. And, and this is why he uses this figure of speech. This is how the true shepherd works. Um, you know, there were many messianic pretenders in the first century. And, um, and the nation's in a mess. It's run by hired hands, hirelings. And, and Jesus says, he's come. And here's the door. But they don't get it. They don't get it. And he says, look, verse 9. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. We all want security and safety in life. As we face the dangers of life, as we face death itself, as we one day will stand before a holy, righteous God, how on earth can we feel secure in life? We didn't ask to come. We're, you know, we, we don't know how to cope with this strange thing called life. Jesus says, I will give you that safety. Let me lead you in and out, as it were. And he calls us. He knows who are his. We, he, we're already chosen. Chosen before through the foreknowledge of God the Father. Whose names are written. They're already written in the book of life. He calls them out. And if you're his sheep, you'll hear his voice. The, the fold will not save you. You have to hear his voice and follow it. And he calls them out. And... Um, and in this world of uncertainty, Jesus says, I will care for you. I will care for you. Nothing, says Paul, will separate us from his love. Nothing. Trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or war. Nothing will separate us. She said, I will care for him. My sheep, listen to my voice. They won't follow a stranger. True Christians actually will never follow heresies ultimately. And cults, they will sigh out that there's something wrong in this. Jesus says they will never follow a stranger. If it's possible, says Jesus, to deceive the elect, but it's not possible. And Jesus says, I will care for them. I will care for them. I know my sheep and they follow me. And he says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. So actually Jesus says, you know, if you... I will give you security. How can I be secure this Sunday morning? I'll tell you why. Because, he says, I am the good shepherd. Good shepherds don't lose sheep. Good shepherds look after sheep. Every Christian is a gift that the Father has given from the, to the Son. So you look after certain gifts very, very carefully. Jesus looks after his people very carefully because you're a gift from the Father. He gives you eternal life. That gift will never be taken away. And that gift takes eternity to work out. Right? And he makes a promise. They will never perish. That's the promise of the Son of God. They will never perish. Not only that. He says, no one is stronger than me. You know, No one can snatch my, my hands. And the Father who has given them to me is greater than all. So you have six promises there that God will look after his sheep. He will look after you. You're safe if you follow Jesus. 
absolutely, 100% certainty, you're safe. Not from all the problems of life, but from the big issues we've mentioned. But you say, well, that's wonderful. But I want more than security. I want more than that. I want, you know, I want life. I don't want to be stuck in church meetings and all that business. No, I want life. Jesus said, I know very well you want life. And look what he says. He says, in verse 9, I will come in and go out and, and they will find, they will, the shepherd will come in and they will come in and go out. And the, the thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it in all its fullness. I have come that you might have life. Not just to be stuck in religious means, but you know, that you will feed on the finest pasture. I, I will lead you, you know, to the finest pasture. I'll lead you by the best meadows, the best grass. I will lead you by still waters. You will want for nothing. Peter says, it's like inexpressible joy and full of glory. Paul says, it's a peace that passes understanding to follow Jesus. It's life in all its fullest. Don't buy all this stuff if I get a big house, a big job, a big this and big that and do this. Plenty of stuff, I'll be happy. It will not satisfy you. Only Jesus can satisfy you. That is how you're wired. He is the good shepherd. He knows his sheep. All this stuff that you fill your barns with will not satisfy you. And Jesus comes, not simply to make you safe, but to give you life. But how does Jesus do it? Well, he tells us how he's going to do it. Look, look at verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. Now, we could spend a, a, a morning just on that sentence. See, every time John uses the word, I am, ego, I, me, you know, the Jews would know who read it in the first, would realize those who read it and understood the Greek and what Jesus said in the Aramaic would know that he's relating to God. Do you remember when Moses said to God in the bush, who shall I say sent me? And God says, what is, am I, I am that I am. What does that mean? Well, we, we could unpack it. But anyway, when Jesus comes says, Jesus says, I will unpack it for you. And so Jesus said, let me fill out this word, I am. I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection life. And Jesus constantly, what is the living God like? Not some abstract, you know, word, which is very meaningful. I know that if, if we time to look at it. But Jesus said, let me fill it out for simple folks so that you know what God is like. And here he says, I am the good shepherd. And the wonderful thing is, the word for good is very wonderful. He doesn't say, I am the good agathos, which is the ethically good. No, he says, I am the kalos good, which is, means beautiful, magnificent, winsome, attractive, lovely, eminently excellent, the attractive one. You, we've all been looking for a leader in life, somebody to show us the way. Someone who really is attractive. Well, he is the attractive one. I am the the good shepherd, the attractive, winsome, glorious one. That's the word he uses. You see, David was the great shepherd of Israel. And in John says in chapter 5, he says, Jesus, I am better than Moses. I'm greater than Moses. And then in chapter 8, he says, I am greater than Abraham. Now, 
in chapter 10, he says, I am greater than David. They get it. They get the message. Don't The Jews got it like that. They know what he's saying. And David was the great shepherd. He'd fought the lion. He'd fought the bear, you remember? And now the wolves are coming for Jesus. And the leader knows what they're saying about him. But let's finally look at Jesus' vision for the future. His vision of the future. There are four things he says. And first thing, we mustn't bypass anything. Just never forget that he came. He came. This is the amazing thing. You know, the, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. The incarnation is still the greatest miracle in the, there ever could be. You know, I was in the woods this morning, and uh, on one of the uh, one of the trees, and there were other, there was these notices: "This dog is lost." Uh, please phone so and so. It slipped its lead, and they're always doing that. It's usually cats, actually. You know, please phone. And I, I'm thinking, are they looking for it? Do they want me to look for it? Is it still lost? Or is the dog going to read it and think, oh, I'm lost. I better go home. <laughs> the great thing is, my friend, God so loved the world. Not simply that he put a notice up, which is incredibly wonderful. He didn't simply give the word, the Son of God came. Never underestimate that. There's nothing greater, nothing more wonderful. He came to seek and save that which was lost. The good shepherd goes out to find the lost. The second thing, and these are just headings, you bear with me. He says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Life. He didn't say I lay down my body. He lays down my life, suki, my, my soul, my, the very essence of who I am. I lay down my life. And then there's that wonderful little word, for, upa, for the sheep, in the place of the sheep, in the subject for the sheep. Jesus, it were before the foundation of the world, the Father said, I want a people on that green planet, a blue planet, wherever it is. I want a people. But these people are rebellious. They will scorn my word. They will rubbish my commandments. They will put themselves on the, the throne of their lives. They will ignore me, forget me, whatever. But I want a people. But these people must be punished because they have brought my law. And he says to his son, the son of will you go? Will you go? And there is this eternal counsel and covenant. And the son, I mean, this is just amazing. I will go. I will go and I will lay down my life for those rebels who couldn't care less about you, who ridicule you, who abuse you, who scorn you. I will go and die for them. I will bear their condemnation. Do you say, he comes to lay down his life for the sheep. For your honor and for your glory, that your righteousness may be maintained, I will go for, for you, Father, that you will have honor with a, a, a people on earth, that little planet. But then the third thing he says, he says, by the way, he says, that's why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life. It's not saying the Father has just started, started to love him. It says, that's how we always live. This is just a sign. That's, uh, the, the Father and I, we just live in a, a relationship of love. And this is the ultimate proof. Because I honor his righteousness and I love these people, I'll do it. That's why the Father just loves me. But then he goes on, he says, I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. 
I mean, everybody knows that the death of a shepherd, the sheep are scattered. Read Zechariah 13, you know, strike the sheep and the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But Jesus said, I have authority to take it again. But no one has ever said that before. But if Jesus is Israel's God, manifest in flesh, perhaps he can do it. Or he will do it. And the crowd get it. The crowd get it. And they pick up stones. They get it. Nobody claims they're resurrected. They're going to be raised apart from somebody who thinks they're God. And in verse 19, he's demon possessed. He's raving mad. And then in verse 33, it's blasphemy. You, a mere man, claim to be God. At least they've got the point. But Jesus loves his sheep as he loves the Father. And his fourth part of the mission is this. I'm not just going to lead these people out of Judaism. I'm going to lead people out of Islam, out of Buddhism, out of Anglicanism, out of Methodism, out of nothingism, out of humanism. I'm going to lead wherever my, my people are who hear my voice, I will lead them out. And that is our task. He says, I have... Other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. And this is my task. And this is our task. I must bring them out also. Not just the Jewish side of Judaism, but throughout the world with all the different folds. The word is preached. The sheep, the true sheep, hear the voice and respond. That is why we totally committed to world mission. Why? Because we're bound to win. Right? That's the great thing. Go down to Westminster Abbey and you'll see it on David Livingstone's tomb. This text. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And that is our call, isn't it? And that's Jesus' call. And so that's the call. And Jesus says that's what it's all about. And John says, all these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and believing that you might have life in its, ta- its name. And so as we go out now, we're called to listen to his voice. My sheep, listen to his voice. There are other voices, my friends, all the time. I know sheep, I've seen them go in domestic gardens and eat plants that will kill them nearly. Sheep are stupid things, you know. I won't draw the... (laughs) But we are stupid at times. And Don't read that book. Don't watch that film. Don't go there. I will just see. Hear his voice. My sheep hear hear his voice. All day long we have to listen to his voice. At work, as we do a spreadsheet, as we make deals, as we, in our conversation, we listen to his voice. He is in us. He is with us. I will never leave you. My sheep listen to my voice, not just the day they're converted, but every day of their life. How does he speak? Well, that's another sermon. But, you know, through the word, through friends, through the gifts of spirit, through conscience, through circumstance, he speaks. He's a living God. And he speaks to us. And that's how, he, how it works. And my feet, my, his sheep follow him. And he knows their voice. And it's the only way to, to live, isn't it? 
he who enters in with the gate will be saved. He offers absolute safety, security. He offers life. And that's what it's about. I've come that you might have life. I was just listening to a tape on the way here. Mr. Wesley Childress, he speaks and listening to his voice. New life the dead receive. The mournful broken hearts rejoice. The humble poor believe. Is that true of you? Have you heard his voice? Or else there's got another old hymn. Good old Scottish hymn. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Come unto me and rest. Lay down thy weary one, lay down thy head upon my breast. I came to Jesus as I was, weary and worn and sad, and found in him a resting place. And he has made me glad. Has he made you glad? I tell you, there are people in this room who have been on that road for 50 odd years and it is the best food the best place he is the good shepherd we've been on the road many of us over 50 years and i tell you it's the blast there's nothing to compare he is the good shepherd do you know him if he is if he is your shepherd let's follow him if not neil and i and uh francis We'll pray for you afterwards. Start today then. Come on, I'm going to follow. Don't invite Jesus into your life to follow your life. I want Jesus to come into my life to follow my career. No, don't do that nonsense. You enter, you follow him. He might have another direction for you to go. Not asking you to follow books or commandments or anything. You follow a living person. A living, he is alive. He is alive. All right? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus, that you're alive on this lovely, sunny summer morning, that you're king of the universe. Thank you, Lord, you're calling your people from every fold. You're drawing them out. Thank you, Lord, that you have an irresistible call. You call us charmed. We're charmed by your gracious voice, and we follow gladly today. Make us more and more willing that we might bring more honor and glory to you. Amen.